It's time for the Will Nerds with Chuck and Todd. Hi, and welcome to Will Nerds. This is episode 115. I'm Chuck. And I'm Todd. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And deja vu, Chuck. Deja freaking vu. There was a glitch in the Matrix. They changed something. Did you Uh, see two cats? No. Did you see two strippers? Were they twins? No. Were they kissing? No. Oh, yeah. No. Hey, hey, don't ruin my little show. I saw Uh, something far worse than that, Chuck. uh Huh? I saw something from our show. Do you remember Uh, a few episodes ago where there was a uh, Kawasaki bobber, air quotes bobber, with the butt end cut off and the handlebars turned upside down? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I saw that bike. Where? In my class. <laughs> Someone was using it? Someone to take... rode the bike to the class and took the class on the bike. The beginner or the experienced? The experienced. <laughs> oh, okay. So they bought this bike? Did you ask them about it? Uh, he said it was his brother's. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't recognize it right away, but as I'm standing there, I'm looking at it, I'm like... Why do I feel like I've seen this bike before? I mean, like the the gray primer paint job and the weird upside down handlebars. I'm like, man, this is really something. Feels oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, to talk to us about was this an older person? No, no, it was a young hipster guy. Young hipster to the great guy? surprise of nobody. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was okay. He took instruction. Well, the bike was terrible. The bike uh, would stall if you stopped too hard. <laughs> And you couldn't stop hard on it because its brakes were garbage. <laughs> he did his braking, and I was like, okay, this, 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 and this were all good. You're braking. We need to talk about your bike's brakes <laughs> and how they're not doing that. So it was it was uh, as awesome as uh, we thought it was. Uh, yes, I would classify it as every bit as awesome as we thought it was. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Yeah, it was it was a it was a, an odd moment in my life, and I'm like normally I like pass out cards and like give a sticker to your high score or whatever from the show, and I was like I'm keeping all this to myself now. <laughs> you didn't want to put one of our stickers on that bike? No, no. Oh, it would've been awesome. Yeah, it was. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> Duh, I live in fear. <laughs> That's awesome. It was quite the thing. Let me tell you. Did you see any other bikes? Um, let's see. Well, I went and rode a bike. Oh, oh, yeah? Yeah, I went down. So, you know, the the fancy dealer who did BMW and Triumph before, they're doing uh, some of the other Piaggio brands now. Yeah. So, they're doing Moto Guzzi. And they had some of the Guzzis there. They were the, the V7s. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, they didn't have the Grizo or the, you know, the Stelvio or the Norge, um, which was a bummer because now I really want to ride those. What made you want to go ride Guzzis? Well... I've always thought they were cool, just because the engine was different and all that. You know, like, the the overall design of it is if you wanted to build an efficient, low-maintenance type of bike, you'd make a longitudinal V-twin with a shaft drive, right? Okay. Um, They also just look cool. Um, And everybody was saying, like, oh, yeah, they sound really mechanically and funny, and I'm like... That sounds really cool to me. <laughs> you put on like really thick bottle cap glasses. I like the way this bike sounds. I like the sound of lots of internal parts going. I mean, I love the way a Ural sounds. This you know? appears to my interests. This is great. You know, I mean, look look at what happened when Charlie, who's not used to mechanical noises, rode my Strom. <laughs> this is like that, only more so. 
So okay. the Guzzi, the Guzzi, like, it reminds me of like, like Buell's like Italian cousin. That's totally <laughs> what it's like. I mean, it's when it, when it's at idle, it's shaking and it's making all these crap, rattling <laughs> noises and all this crap. Uh-huh. And then you get on the thing and, it, and first of all, <laughs> so the, the engine isn't counterbalanced. So you get on the gas. And well, it's and a 90 the, degree V twin, and you get on it, and the whole bike tilts to the side briefly. You feel <laughs> the force like of the engine spinning up. The bike tries to promptly throw you tries off. To promptly <laughs> throw you off. It's really funny. No, <laughs> but it's like the Buell where it's and then it just goes perfectly smooth and begins to pull like a horse. Oh wow! And I was on the small 50 horsepower one. That wow. thing pulls. I mean, wow. right off of as soon as you get out of noisy zone, it just starts pulling like crazy. It's, it, it felt, like I said, like the Buell's Italian cousin. I mean, I was riding this, this for a while. To me. <laughs> I, I, I was riding it for a while and all of a sudden, like my eyebrows joined together in the middle. And, you know, I was like, I realized I looked down and I was wearing this gold chain underneath my, my shirt. White tank top. And it was a white tank top underneath my coat. It was bizarre. So you didn't become Italian. You went all the way around and became Italian-American. Right right out on the other side of the stereotype thing. I was like, man, I can't wait. I'm going down to the beach this weekend. I'm going to wear a tiny little Speedo and a gold chain. Did you get a tan? Were you interested in GTL? Uh, Did you know what GTL meant at that point? Yes, but I've since lost it. Do you know what GTL means? I've gone back now. It's Jim Tan Laundry. Yeah. Is that that what you – was that you? I, I thought about it. Did briefly. you did you have a, a, a urge to go to the gym and pump weights in and, front and of make women? lots of grunting noises? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was really strange. <laughs> My hair felt oddly gelled. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I got off it. Were you sweating gel? I was sweating <laughs> profusely, and I was very hairy all over. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I uh, I really. Really want to ride one of the big Gucci engines now? They don't have a Stelvio there. I thought they no, did. they don't. They had one and it sold like days after they got it. Okay, okay. The guy said, and apparently the way they work is they make a certain number. He says it's very Italian. They make a certain number, and that's what there is. And that's and you get you order like a year in advance, and that's what you get. And you better hope you guess right. And if you don't, whatever, whatever. <laughs> hey, we're making motorcycles here. Someone will buy it. Hey! <laughs> Don't ever do that again. Hey! <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I, I kind of I suspected I would like one. It had all of the hallmarks of a Todd bike. Okay. Slightly weird, kind of funny noises, but, you know, mechanically, you know, just working by dint of the mathematics happening to be right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, the Gucci really feels that way. It's uh, It was good. I liked it very much good. Wow. Well, I went down to the same dealer on a different day mm-hmm. uh, this past Saturday mm-hmm. for the unveiling of the Ducati 821 Monster, which is which is like like 123 more than the previous Monster. Uh, what was the previous? Like the I don't know. I can't do the math in my head that easily. Well, no, they had like there's the, the 696 and there's the 796 and, and the four seven quarters, and, and then and there's the, the 1200. Yeah. I want to say there's like an 800 somewhere, but I think they're just they're just screwing with people now. Well, Ducati did have a tendency in the past to pick numbers that weren't the engine size, mm-hmm. but around that neighborhood, but they looked cooler. 
<laughs> this is a cool looking number. Yeah. yeah. NCC 1701. I'm going to actually buy that one. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. I mean. <laughs> I, I don't um, think they'll sell you a goose. I'm now. cool. <laughs> I ride Italian bikes. Oh my God. Do you ride the cool Ducati Italian bikes? No, I ride the big, dirty Italian bikes. The ones. Like the, the guy in the back in the kitchen who's yelling at the guy in the front of the restaurant this is his bike the 1701 <laughs> that's his bike no probably <laughs> it's the grizzo <laughs> uh but no apparently 821 is actually 821 mm-hmm. this is and it's their new fancy fancy middleweight mm-hmm. it looks really cool up on the little podium that they had mm-hmm. it sitting on can i touch it <laughs> smack there was an iPad right next to it <laughs> that you could get on the mailing list for. Order here. And there was uh, there was free pizza mm-hmm. from the pie. Missed out on that. That was, yeah, it was pizza from the pie. It was free. You think the Gootsies would have more of the pizzas? Yeah. Well, you know that one of our listeners was posting on their Facebook that they got like some sort of catered dinner for their unveiling of the eight twenty one. Wow. Yeah, they got fancy. Ours is like we ordered some pizzas. I think they they Here might. Go. I think he said that they might have gotten dinner from the Olive Garden. Fancy, fancy, fancy itself. My girlfriend loves the Olive Garden. She's like swoons, mm. you know, with the bread. It's so fancy. Yeah, it's funny because so she fancy. actually knows my Olive Garden story. So go figure. Oh, it's so fancy. You can't reach me, Todd. Not here in the fancy place. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it, you know, it looked pretty cool. I mean, I, I went and I was sitting on like, uh, I went and sat on the 696 mm-hmm. just to kind of get a feel for the bike. Mm-hmm. Feel good. Yeah. I, I mean, as far as the, the form factor, uh, the, I, I know a fair number of people who actually have monsters with bags on them that they tour on. I could see that. It's a comfortable bike. Mm. I sat on a street fire that was right next to it. Same size, mm-hmm. I think. Didn't like it. Yeah, I didn't either. It, it I actually felt... I sat on the Street Fighter with bags, and I was like, no. why? <laughs> why you do this? It just was the legs were wrong. My legs were sitting wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like my center of gravity was kind of wrong. Mm-hmm. It was made for someone who wasn't me. Mm-hmm. But the monster felt very comfortable. It was nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, someone talked to me. Mm-hmm. Impressive. I know. I Out of the blue. They came up to me and asked me if I needed help. And it wasn't that kind of weird, suspicious, may I help you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What were you wearing at the time? T-shirt and jeans. Mm-hmm. Flip-flops. So, cause I, I got instant help, but I was wearing my fancy wax cotton jacket. And they're like, oh. this guy, he likes vintage stuff. I had his my, 30s. He I, smells like money. I had my girlfriend with me. Mm-hmm. But they didn't come talk to me until after she walked away. <laughs> they're like... Okay, he's unprotected. Go, get him! Go, 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 go. <laughs> I was just like, you know, what do you think about you know, the 696 versus this 821? And the guy was like, oh, I would totally get the newer bike. Mm-hmm. It's all fancy. That's it. Fancy. I mean, that's it. And I went also and saw an FZ7. Mm-hmm. Pretty comparable as far as the feel. Yeah. Um, the Ducati has got technology going for it. I'm not so sure about that. They got ABS. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that is a plus. The FZ, neither of the FZs have ABS. That's mm. that's that's, that's, that, that's a bit of a disappointment. In this that's the age. corner they cut. 
to get yeah. their, their price point, I guess. Oh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I don't know if the Goodsies had ABS. I didn't the, try that hard. I mean, the 09 does have variable writing modes. Mm-hmm. So does the, this 821. Yeah. But uh, I think from the reading I've done, which isn't a lot because there wasn't many pictures mm-hmm. and there was no girls involved, mm-hmm. um, the Ducati's computers are a little bit more fancy, have a little bit more leeway, or mm-hmm. more uh, a, a broader range of adjustment th- sure. than the Yamaha's. I, I remember I particularly liked that about Charlie's Multistrada. Oh, yeah. Was, thing, you changed thanks. the different computer settings and you got different feel mm-hmm. whereas beamer beamer's settings were sort of like very mushy kind of mushy and normal mm-hmm. i imagine the the monsters is, is pretty similar they only had the one black one there when mm-hmm. i so and they had it clearly set up in such a way that they were like no stay <laughs> away can i test i'd no. like to no he how says, strong is about 50 horse no <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I mean, you know, that's a twelve thousand dollar bike. You can't just buy that looking at it. Yeah, that's that's actually the, the sticker shock of the Italian bikes. Was I rode the Gucci and I was like, yeah, I want one of the bigger ones. I looked on a little tag hanging off of it. I was like, <gasps> did they did they do the same thing with the Gucci's? They do with the Ducatis. They had like the, you know the round colored price tags you see at garage sales. Uh, no, this was actually one of the one of the little flappy ones hanging on a little piece of string off of the handlebar. Holy shit! I'm riding this thing, and it's this little little V7 and all this. And I get back, I'm like, oh, okay, that was kind of cool. Now I'm really interested to try the big ones. And I glance down at the tag, and I'm like, oh my god, I didn't pay that much for the strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, yeah. the Ducatis, they had the little garage sale tags. <laughs> yeah. I was looking for a price tag on it, and my girlfriend's like, what's that on the mirror? 15000 I'm like, holy shit, that's the, that's the price Stop tag. Stop touching it! <laughs> Take your hands off! We gotta go! <laughs> Get in the car right now! Run! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was I, just like, so these fancy bikes, that's how that's how they're going to price them, is with the, the sticker? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it's on the mirror, it's not on the paint. I'm thinking, you know, if they'd use like a real Ducati kind of label tag thingy, mm-hmm. that's another grand. <laughs> yeah, that's a grand. Yeah, it's an extra grand right there for the tag. It's got the Forget logo it. on it and everything. Oh, oh man, no, they're, oh. they're they're helping save money. But uh, you know, I don't know. I I really want to ride one before. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, before you spend fifty thousand dollars on a bike with no windshield or air coverage of any kind. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be just for banging around. Mm-hmm. It's not for trips. I have a hard time with fifteen grand for a bang around bike. Uh, you know, I've, yeah. I've got a category in my budget for that. Oh, okay, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I did make a category for Todd's crazy ideas. I Todd's crazy ideas are very good ideas. <laughs> Chuck looked at two Groms in a shop for sale and did not buy either of them. I told him to buy both. I, what was no. I going to do? Check them as luggage? I don't care. Do <laughs> They're small. Ship them. Whatever. <laughs> Send the Groms back, and we could Grom all around town. <laughs> Not only would you have your Grom, you'd have someone to Grom with. You just want me to buy you a Grom. Pretty much. There is not a category in my budget for that. You should fix that. <laughs> you should fix that right now. No. You know what there was a category in my budget for? What? The Cena 20S. Ooh, shiny. Yeah. This is the new, the, even fancier... The new top-of-the-line flagship from Cena. And smaller, which I have to applaud them for. It is uh, thinner. 
Thinner. Yeah. I mean, thinner. your your old one always looked like sort of a weird growth out of the side it's of your helmet, weird. which I'm sure made it easy to use in gloves, but it was very bulbous. This is actually easier to use with gloves than really? that one was. Hmm. Um, the, it still has, Sina has sort of, you know, their, their trademark is this big jog dial. Yeah. Um, the blister one on the 10 is easy, mm-hmm. but the 20 has this flat dial that's actually easier to kind of feel with your glove. And oh, and you sort of just spin it. You just finger. spin it, yeah. yeah. Like a rotary dial phone. <laughs> well, it doesn't spin Music back. begun. <laughs> but, uh, Next song. Depending what, on what mode you're in, the, the dial does some different things. <laughs> no, it doesn't dial. Party line selected. <laughs> doesn't do that. Shut up. <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some other things about it. Um, they improved the cradle design. Mm-hmm. Before with the ten, if you if you buy the ten out of the box, it comes with the cradle that has uh, the speakers that you put in your helmet. Yeah. If you want to use your own earbuds or something, you gotta buy a different cradle. Mm-hmm. That's another like thirty forty bucks. Ugh. The twenty has an all in one design. No. Oh. It has the speakers and it has a port for you to plug in your earbuds. Mm-hmm. The speakers are always there. Oh, interesting idea. If you plug in something, mm-hmm. the speakers cut out. Hmm. So I've tried it both with the speakers and with the with the my own earbuds. Mm-hmm. Um, better sound quality is with the speakers. Really? That's puzzling. Um, yeah, I get all kinds of weird electronic interference, or I can hear weird electronic interference. Um, is it very puzzling? And that's coming. You know, it's 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 Bluetooth through my phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I can hear like clicking, depending if where I am, where I'm riding. If I'm in downtown, I can hear like this hum. Huh? That's really oh. irritating. It can be, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's surprising and a little lame, actually. That part was was kind of disappointing to me because my ten doesn't do that at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm not really sure why they wouldn't just make the speaker. Well, I guess because speakers don't come in and out of the helmet. I mean, why wouldn't they just make the speaker something that plugged into the cradle? Um, Maybe because it makes weird interference well, they, and noise. I mean, they do plug in, mm-hmm. um, but they're semi-permanent. Mm-hmm. You have to unscrew this thing, pull oh, the plug out, yeah. and then there's no nothing to cover that up. So you have this empty mm. micro-USB hole if you oh. take the, the ear speakers out. They're meant to stay there. Sure, yeah. No, I get it. I just It seems it's a little odd. I don't know where the interference is coming from. It could be my earbuds. I haven't tried it before. I'm sure what's going on is that your earbud's cord is acting as an antenna. It's probably sitting too close to a Bluetooth antenna or something like that, or mm-hmm. who knows what it is. Um, stuff in the 2.5 gigahertz spectrum will hit the audio audible um, spectrum if it's yeah, picked up. Yeah, I'm just real puzzled why why the 20 has this problem when it's something they were able to solve with the 10. Yeah, you know it's kind of weird. One oh, wow. cool feature with this mm-hmm. with this thing. Um, which I haven't tested out so much yet. Oh, you know what? We should test it out right now. So you see, I have my my helmet mm-hmm. with my unit. Yep. Take a good long look at my lucky unit. I was richer, <laughs> in a richer life before this conversation. Okay, so I'm gonna put my uh, in earbuds in. Well, your earbuds have an incredibly long cord. Yeah, they do. And a coiled cord, which makes it more like an antenna, you know, right? But again, the ten doesn't have this problem. Good point. Okay. <laughs> And with the 20, it's very noticeable. Mm. I mean, it's, a, it's the same thing I was using with my 10. Yep. So what's interesting, though, um, 
is it filters out that noise or it shuts something off mm-hmm. if, like, if I don't have the phone actually playing music or anything. Mm-hmm. It's something cuts off where I don't hear anything. Hmm. But once I get some activity on the phone or something, it comes right back on. So I'm going to put this I'm, on. I'm thinking it is your Bluetooth <sighs> antenna being now, too close. Now, this is my normal writing setup with the, <laughs> the earbuds and the helmet. Sure. Okay. And I can't hear anything. Yeah. Literally, I can't hear it. I really hate you. Passionately. No, stop pretending. I go to your house, and uh, often well, I will I rearrange your drawers on purpose. And I don't know. Um, so sometimes I, don't know how well I, I like to can hear me put, this. I like to put but, uh, gross things in your drawers well, and pretend it wasn't me. And often I will uh, do unnatural things to your milk in the fridge. You do what to my fridge? Nothing. Nothing at all. You have a microphone outside your helmet. Shouldn't that yeah, be inside? Yeah, so the boom mic... Let me try it both within and without. So this this feature that they have added to this thing now is mm-hmm. you press a button on the cradle, yeah, and you can hear exterior noise. Actually, yeah, so I can hear you pretty well. Okay, it's kind of a weird echoey, not mm-hmm. echoey, but like a very faint. Like I'm talking to you on a telephone. Like a bad telephone? Yeah, yeah. like a bad okay. telephone, but I can hear you. Okay, all right. Um, I don't know how practical this would be outside at a gas station. That's kind of where I'm seeing, I'm, I'm imagining like the toll booth attendant, you know, where it's like... <laughs> yeah, turning I mean, it up doesn't help, because turns yeah. it up turns up the uh, background the, noise. Yeah. But there's like a sweet spot, but... Mm-hmm. And supposedly, I think you can point the microphone out. Out at people? So yeah, does that come try to pick up now? some noise. Hi, I'm Todd, speaking to you on Chug's Helmet. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. Now, are you going to pay your tolls, or are we going to have five guys jump out from behind the toll booth and kick your ass up between your ears? I wish I didn't hear that. <laughs> huh, so that's interesting. It does work. Mm-hmm. I'd be... I'm kind of hesitant to see how well it would work in a real life situation. I'm kind of trying to imagine a scenario where you like... Pull the little thing out of your helmet and point it at someone, and you're like, yeah. yes, go on. <laughs> Proceed. Actually, you know what? It works better with it in the helmet. Really? So yeah. the helmet's acting as kind of a baffle kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, right, now I can your see voice that. actually comes through a bit clearer. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's that's a neat kind of a neat thing. I, got, I bet it just devours battery life. Although you said that's you a feature you don't leave you it on. on. Okay. So the ambient noise is triggered by a button at the bottom. Okay. You turn it on and off. Mm-hmm. Um, it has an, an antenna for extended intercom mm-hmm. range. It has an FM radio. Mm-hmm. That's cool. One thing they improved was the way the unit fits to the cradle. Mm-hmm. The old one had sort of this plastic kind of wedge lock. Mm-hmm. Um, this one has... Uh, you push a button on the side, it pops right off. Oh, okay. And, more and more like a Scala then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That was one thing Scala always had right. Okay. Yeah. This is actually better. Yeah. Before, it, you would kind of wedge the thing on and the sort lock would click into place. Yeah. yeah. This, you slide it onto the rail and... Bam. Yeah. Another thing I liked um, is they changed the way these mm-hmm. pins work. Yeah. They're all nice little rounded things. So if there's mung on them, they'll probably still work. Well, the 10, 10 had pins also, but the pins were on the unit, and they were very exposed. Oh. So it didn't take much. I Like, my 10 has broken pins. Sure. Um, so this the one. that's in your pocket getting smashed around. Yeah, exactly. 
Here it's reversed. The, the pins are on the cradle, and they're kind of recessed and a little bit protected. Oh, that's cool. Um, it comes with three microphone options, mm-hmm. a, a boom mic mounted to the cradle. Yeah. You can do a boom mic that you mount to the inside of your helmet. Mm-hmm. It's and, like a wired boom mic kind of thing. Yeah, wired Stick boom it mic. Stick inside. And then just a straight wired mic that you can do Velcro in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, no throat mic um, option? No. Because that would be really great when I can't when I'm talking to you on the, on the trip. It does you have, get it in full, like, surround sound. It does have, you know, a mic input that you can switch, swap out, so maybe mm-hmm. you can hook one up. Yep. And then I could hear that. <laughs> the horrors. <laughs> the unspeakable horrors. What's going on inside Todd's helmet right now? Oh, God! Um, I, you can program... It comes with a app that you get. You can put on your Android or iPhone. Mm-hmm. Program its defaults and all that kind of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Program radio stations oh, into very it. Very cool. Program quick dial numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, turn off some features. It has a voice command thing mm-hmm. that doesn't work for me. Oh, well, that's probably because you're on the iPhone. <laughs> well, no, because it, this is actually built into the. Oh, it the itself unit. has the voice, voice commands. Command. You're according to the manual. You can say hello, Cena, and interact with it. Mm-hmm. It does not work for me. Hmm. Um, the alternative is you tap on it with your finger. Oh, interesting. And that wakes it up. Or, as I've found, you could just be riding along, doing whatever, and all of a sudden Cena's like, say a command. No! And shut the fuck up isn't in its vocabulary. <laughs> That's kind of like how, how uh, this the my Android phone interprets <laughs> as call Chuck. <laughs> So that's where I get those guys. Uh, I'll be turning that, that feature off. I'm trying to figure yeah. out, there's gotta be, uh, I'm thinking I'm missing something so far because Hello Cena just doesn't work at all. Mm-hmm. And that's like supposed to be the primary way you get its attention. Mm-hmm. Other than the finger tap, which, you know, mm-hmm. it works. Um, so the, the in helmet speakers I've got mounted, they're pretty nice. Yeah, those are extremely nice looking in helmet speakers. The, like I said, they're the little cheese ball ones. No, the sound quality is, is good with the speakers. Oh, cool. I was, I was pretty impressed. I want to try to get a pair of just regular earplugs and mm-hmm. just see what they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've tried, I've rode around without earplugs and just the speakers mm-hmm. and I've been pretty, pretty happy with the quality. So now the, 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 <sighs> If you forgive the term, the million-dollar question is, what does one of these guys set you back? Uh, I bought this through a group buy on ADV. Mm-hmm. What's the retail price? Okay, so like MSRP on one of these things is about two seventy. Oh. Um, I mean, it's fancy. It's fancy. You can look around for deals, maybe find a group buy on ADV Rider. <coughs> Whatever. <laughs> um, and, you know, find a better deal that way. I imagine the 10 will go down in price considerably. Mm-hmm. Uh, both the 10 and the 20 have a universal intercom, so I can hook up to your scaler. Oh, neat. Okay. Um, they also, they update their firmware pretty regularly, adding mm-hmm. new features. That was always one of the things that was attractive about those to me, is I like something I can A, hack on, and that B, is actively supported. Yeah, I mean, they, they and they don't just do, like, shit updates that you don't know what happens. Mm-hmm. Like the universal intercom was the last update to the 10. Mm. And that's like a huge feature. Yeah, no kidding. That's a big deal. Yeah. Not that, you know, I actually want to talk to you ever. No. But, but. but. Of course, I, I said that, but you're actually the only person I've ever talked to on the phone for any length of time while riding a motorcycle. <laughs> well, we were, you know, we were on This the is f- really boring. Yes, it is. <laughs> we were on the 15 going straight. <laughs> Think we'll turn soon? Nope. Hey, look at that wreck right in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you know, so far I've been I've been pretty pretty impressed with it. I like it. Cool. No, I, I will look forward to hearing more. That'll be when I get back into actually riding with somebody with me. I know that will be attractive again. I'm going to mount the tent to Sophie's helmet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good idea or not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know yet. But I'm, I'm curious. I'm really, really curious to know. I can't stress this enough how curious I am to know what's going through her head while we're riding. Because she's she's looking straight ahead. She has one hand on the shoulder strap, uh-huh. another hand on the edge of the tub, mm-hmm. and she just she looks so focused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm like I wonder what she's thinking. You're gonna mic up her helmet, and inside her helmet she's gonna be singing. I imagine she'll be singing like Yo Gabba Gabba or something. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to listen to it the whole way there. Yeah, you know, whatever. Could be worse. Oh, the other cool thing this thing has mm-hmm. audio sharing. Oh, so my, we could be listening to the same, same Yo Gabba Gabba. Yeah. She could tell me she'll be like, "Daddy, I want to listen to Yo Gabba Gabba." And you I got it. Pull it up. Yeah. Oh, well, that's uh, it's kind of cool. It's got a lot of. I haven't even, I think, scratched the surface yet for all the kind of coolness this thing has. Mm-hmm. Um, big disappointment is that interference. I'm, yeah, I'm going to try a couple different earphones. Mm-hmm. See if it's that because, like I said, the speaker crystal clear. Hmm. So it's um, something to do with that headphone connection, probably. Yeah, you know, like you're saying, it's a it's a looped c- cable. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. gonna play around with it, see what I find. Cool. I'll report back on that. Other that, uh, the voice command doesn't like me <laughs> yet. <laughs> well, the, the turning on at random times is annoying. I, I I had to turn off the voice trigger most of the time on my scale up for that reason because you you sneeze or cough and it goes boop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what's happening with the twenty. Yeah. Um. Sound quality with the speakers has been great. It works the way you expect it to work with the 10 as far as your phone, your audio, cool. all that stuff. Awesome. So, yeah. We look forward to hearing more. Would you like to know more? <laughs> but wait, there's more. And with that, let's talk about bikes. Classifieds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our first one comes from St. Petersburg, Florida. Hmm. It's a 97 Suzuki TL1000 sport bike for 10 grand. What? <laughs> what? It has 13,000 miles. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know what this is? What's that? This is a case of I want the money for my mods. Mm-hmm. Cor- yeah. Corbin seat, B-Tubo, rear shock, FM, raise. You know, I ain't even going to read all this crap. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the TL1000. It's the Stroms engine with even less good manners mm-hmm. and more power. Um, in a mediocre sport bike frame, it yeah. goes, goes real good. Power commander, lithium batteries, never seen rain, drop bars, and soil oil every 1k miles. This is a person who likes spending money. Wait, what? Am soil oil every 1,000 miles. Why? Because he's an idiot. I say he because there is no way any woman is stupid enough to do that with a bike. Wait, wait. That's this level of stupidity only achievable by males. Am I mistaking what kind of oil this is? He's changing the engine oil, is what yeah, he's saying. Yeah, every one, soil oil. Every He's changing the engine oil every 1,000 miles. Yes, with the most <laughs> expensive oil you can buy that, here's the secret, is the same as the other stuff with a different bottle. Yeah. But why? No one is that dumb. Because, because <laughs> screw you, carbon footprint. I mean, okay, it's a 97. So he's changed the oil 13 times. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is less than once a year entertaining. Um, yeah. I have over 15K invested. Nobody cares. <laughs> it's a 1997 bike. Ah, quick release racing gas cap. You know what? Just no. Just no. 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 Okay, next. Next. Honda Valkyrie with a Motivation Formula 2 sidecar. I bet this hauls. Oh, you know, this came to us labeled as not a Zeus. Uh, it's not a Zeus. <laughs> that, that is true. It is not a Zeus. Mm-hmm. Selling my 97 Honda Valkyrie standard with Motivation Formula 2 sidecar is 93,000 miles on the bike and runs like a clock, but a lot faster. These engines are, air quotes, bulletproof and can run up to 300,000 miles or more. Blah, 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 blah. This is a Valkyrie. Here's all the boring crap. Yep. Um, it's a Motivation Formula 2 sidecar valued at 3,500, which is as good as they get. Has a flip nose, on-the-fly lean adjuster, all the gig- gigs and giggles. And unfortunately, it looks like a motivation, which is really, really, really ugly. It looks like something from the the seventies. That uh, is an appropriate description, as it happens. <laughs> it's sort of, sort of like, like, like if you took a Hannigan and you got like its older, sort of like awkward brother. Mm-hmm. You know, the old Corvette versus a, a newer Corvette kind of thing. It's just not. Uh, it's not quite right. The sidecar can be slept in because it is eight feet long. <laughs> I don't doubt it for an instant. I do like the way it pops up. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually pretty common. The Hannigans do that too. That's pretty cool. It's a good way to get in and but out. This seriously looks like something out of Megaforce. Yeah, it's it's a massively ugly sidecar. I'm sure the rig is actually quite good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a you know big, powerful, low center of gravity bike with just a bomber engine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sidecar is nice and heavy. Um, I don't know how the you know setup is, but hey. The sidecar could use paint if you don't like flat black. Okay, Mr. Keyword, fuck you. Yeah, and then, then he does the keyword of every brand ever. ever. Buell, really? It looks like it looks like a copy paste from like the the bike brand selector on KBB. Mike, ATK, Beta. Buell. What the fuck's a Beta? I don't know. I mean, at least Euro. Tomberlin TM. This is a cut and paste from somewhere. I mean, a Euro, okay, because at least it, it has a almost sidecar. makes a degree of sense. Almost, but uh, what? Vengeance motorcycle? United Motors. Vento. Vento. <laughs> Tomos? Titan? Thunder? You're just making this shit up now. Eton. Indian. Indian motorcycle Gilroy. Indian motorcycles. Because putting Indian once wasn't enough. Nope, you need Indian motorcycles dash Gilroy if you want to sell a Valkyrie with a sidecar. Fuck you. <laughs> I like this ad right up into this part. Yep. Kids, don't use stupid... Yeah, because if, if I'm going searching for a Suzuki and this pops up... Fuck you. I'm going to be a little, a little cross. Motherfucker. <laughs> All right, next up, we've got a 2002 Honda Goldwing. <clears throat> Have you ever wanted a project bike? Why, yes. This isn't it. Move along. And that's it for the app. <laughs> no, okay. This bike isn't much of anything. It isn't even a motorcycle. You're buying a running Goldwing 800 motor. 1800 motor. You're also holding off the hunk of metal and plastic surrounding it. Hmm. The gauges show 24,000 miles. I bought this from a man of the cloth in Abilene. His name is Ray, but he goes by the Reverend. He claims that he bought the bike back in 2003, and blah, 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 blah. The bank came looking for his motorcycle. He told him to fuck off and pushed it into the far corner of his trailer and hid it behind his meth lad for 10 years. <laughs> now, 
There, he, he goes on with this story. I think there's one part of this story, though, that really bears talking about. Let's see if the Unt- same part. He puts more switches on the bike. Expensive, mysterious switches. <laughs> yep. One appears to have the sole purpose of blowing the fuse to the rear taillights while simultaneously activating the CB radio. That one has me stumped. This is the part I liked. Did I mention he clear-coated it? Not the paint. The bike. The whole thing. The entire thing. Most of it has worn off the seat. (laughs) (laughs) A bike with, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's got a history. He and his old lady got drunk and hit a javelina a few weeks ago on FM 308. It sat in the ditch for a few days while they tried to tow the bloated carcass home. The The pig. pig. Not Not the the bike. bike. (laughs) I'm totally not making that part up. It sat in a ditch almost a week. This thing is a total piece of shit. <laughs> Pros, javelina fur in the headlight. Cons, in all likelihood, the bike will kill you. <laughs> I did contemplate part- parting out the bike myself. After I broke my second air chisel, I realized I had vastly underestimated the tenacity of 35 layers of Krylon clear coat <laughs> applied with a stucco roller. The chrome door trim and lethal threat decals are crisp. They do not look faded. Touche, Rev. <laughs> I don't even have the slightest clue what in the actual fuck you might do with this. I would caution you against any conspiracy theories you might have running around in your tinfoil-covered head about getting it roadworthy. <laughs> Accordingly, you must sign a bill of sale indicating that you understand the personal liability you generate for yourself and other users of the roadway. And just to be extremely clear, this bike doesn't have a title. It will never have a title. You can't get the title. You can't plead with the bank. You will get a bill of sale with a serial number. Avalina <laughs> foot keychain. And that is all you will get. Uh, according to your current level of ordination in the church, I will consider giving you the reverend's <laughs> phone number. If you make the portrait decision to buy this abomination, I would only request that you do so knowing that you might very well be the second to do- second to top dumbest motherfucker on the planet. <laughs> I clearly hold that title. <laughs> I had some fantasy about putting the motor in the go-kart. I have no reasonable excuse for myself. <laughs> oh, man. So this is a man who made a mistake. <laughs> I've done things. <laughs> things I'm not proud of. I make bad decisions. Bad Goldwing decisions. Uh, so he listed it for 3000 but he, he seems to be open to negotiation. <laughs> Willing to negotiate. Please, mm-hmm. please, please. Yeah. What is this? He's like, uh... There it is, the heavily clear-coated Goldwing, available for your enjoyment. Price, that is up to you. It would be the height of arrogance for me to put a price tag on this machine. Mm. So, yeah. So, there you have it. Yeah. You want it? You want it? Um, I don't think I want this one. I'm it, not, uh... It's awesome. I don't think I'm, I'm into it. What I could use is some more horsepower. Everyone needs more horsepower. If only I could find something like horsepower for sale or trade for motorcycle or silver wing Bergman. What? Beautiful horsepower came from Ladoff Chevrolet when they went out of business, part of the Horses on Parade Festival, similar to the Cows on Parade in Chicago, but look great in a speed shop or high-performance shop on wheels. I was told it would cost over ten grand to make. Horsepower is customized, painted, and turns from green to purple in different lights. Dresses up for holidays, comes with St. Patrick's Day outfit, comes with Halloween outfit. Would trade for Goldwing motorcycle car, Bergman, Silverwing reflex, convertible Yamaha, Suzuki, Honda, Harley, or other bike. Call Steve. P.S. This is actually, in fact, a horse statue with an inexplicable fake engine mounted in it. 
I wonder if he would trade it for a 2002 Honda Goldwing. <laughs> That's you know, been clear coded. He he did mention Goldwing. This is a uh, so it's his horse statue. Yes, with a fake license plate that says horsepower. And a fake engine. Is that PVC piping? That appears to be PVC pipe that is used for the fake uh, exhaust pipes, yes. Uh-huh. Which, you know, yeah. always screams class to me. Why? Well, I mean, you know, if you had this horse in your yard, you would um have... Complaints against you from the neighbors. A metal horse in a hat. It looks evil. It's got red eyes. With an engine. This... This is... Even Bella doesn't like this. Act now. So, yeah, you can have horsepower, Chuck. No! Now you can have, you know, big horsepower. I... No, you know what I need? Bacon. Bacon. I, I need... Only you can't use bacon. You know why you can't use bacon? Why? Because hipsters have taken your bacon and are using it to fuel motorcycles. The fuck you say? Mmm. Gas prices may be on the rise, but this biker doesn't need gas to fill his hipster bike tank. One of America's favorite <laughs> breakfast meats is being used to fuel a motorcycle made by food company Hormel. The new H fuel is made from bacon grease, which comes from Hormel's Illinois food plant. Oh, gross. <laughs> the grease is taken to Wisconsin. Oh, gross. Where it's turned into biofuel. The average tank of bacon grease fuel runs at about 350 a gallon, but the bike gets 75 to 100 miles to the gallon. Why would I want to use this? The whole goal was to really find people that are the core about something. We're obviously baking to the core, but finding people that have a passion or have something they truly believe in, said Scott Schnevengroffel of BBDO Minneapolis, an obvious soulless marketing drone. <laughs> so, okay, this is like a hipster bike mm-hmm. that runs on bacon. Yes. Yes, it's... hipsters like bacon, and so bacon fuel only. There's even a hipster guy who's got, like, the hipster shirt talking about it, and they've... Oh, Lord. I do like the way the bike looks. I'll give it that. It's you know it's your basic bobber hipster bike. Yeah, I like it. Mm. Um, but I mean, three fifty a gallon, seventy five to hundred miles a gallon. Doesn't say how big the engine is. Uh, I don't think that's what they're really about on this uh, this bike. Huh? Look, it it looks like one of them cool bikes the cool kids are riding and bacon. Yeah, but it, does, it doesn't run on bacon. You have to go get bacon grease. So you have to like cook just loads of bacon. <laughs> the first rider, the bike is recently set out on its first trip, traveling all the way from Austin, Minneapolis to San Diego. The first rider died by the time he hit Nebraska <laughs> from a coronary heart attack. Brought on by too much bacon consumption. So, okay. First you have to generate enough of this bacon grease. Mm-hmm. And then you gotta take it someplace and process it. Yeah. Fuck no. There's a reason biofuel is not really a thing. No. And it's that biofuel is an extreme net negative. I know there are people with biofuel distilleries in their fucking garage. Biofuel is like like air power or solar power. In a decentralized fashion, if you happen to already have it and don't have to transport or do the crap, it might work out. I mean, uh... Having to go to a special bacon plant and transport the bacon fuel with a non-bacon-powered truck to a different state... I don't need an excuse to eat bacon. Yes, you do. No, I don't. You need a hipster bike to eat bacon. No. Hipster I, bike. Me. Bacon hipster And my bike. dog love mm-hmm. bacon. Mm-hmm. We'll drink the fucking bacon grease before we pour it into a bike. Yeah, well, you know, obviously you're you're not getting enough to the gallon in bacon. <laughs> you could get deep fried bacon. Bacon is hip now. I'm going to the fair. I'm getting some deep fried bacon. But you won't be hip. I'm going to punch a hipster in the face with the bacon. 
I'm going to curl it up in a ball in my fist, and I'm going to hit him in the face. You know what you should actually just do is just put a little bacon on the back wheel of his bike and whip up and hit him in the back of the head because he cut the rear end off the bike. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. Wow. I don't have fenders. That's great. That's going to hurt. Yeah. I mean, bacon fenders. For that bike, I, I think the assless look works. I'm okay with it. You big streak of grease up your back. I like that they even have the guy, the guy with the the beard and three quarter helmet on it. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, not that this surprises me in any way, shape, no, or form. No. Yep. All right. That just makes me angry. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Okay. So because I'm angry, mm-hmm. I want someone to have a bad day. Okay. That makes that that's how I get balanced back into the universe. Okay. You know what makes balance back in the universe for me when I have this kind of anger? Do tell. Thousands of pounds of shit across a freeway. Hey, look, it happened! What, on I-15? No, this is in uh, Lansing. Mm. The northbound lanes of US-127 were blocked by a overturned uh, tanker spilling its load of human waste. Proving, once again, that Lansing is full of shit. <laughs> the uh, two-compartment 18-wheeler was approaching a curb, and he fucked up. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, let's see, 25,000 pounds of human waste just went, a- smeared across 2,000 feet of roadway, and three vehicles crashed trying to avoid it. Including a poor, poor motorcycle. <laughs> that dude had a really That was bad. the worst day ever. <laughs> Drivers and riders suffered minor injuries, but the humiliation. <laughs> what happened? Oh, there was some shit on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come in the house. Don't come in the house ever again. <laughs> I cannot believe this shit. There's a lovely picture of this this bulldozer. <laughs> the guy, the other guy who had a terrible day. <laughs> the guy, take, take this little tractor, push me up to its axles and shit, and go clean up the shit, Bob. No, I quit. <laughs> you can't quit, Bob. You're union. <laughs> Get out there. Get out there in the shit tractor. <laughs> the shit tractor. <laughs> we have, oddly in Lansing, they have a little tractor for just such an occasion. The shit tractor. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, I can't. Oh, God. That's horrifying. So many bad days. How would you have liked to have been? I mean, this is an example where clearly the guy in the car came out ahead than the rider. Yes. Yes. I think the people in the cars won on some level. Unless there. unless he was in a convertible. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> A bow wave just comes cresting over. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, why? (laughs) I recant all my sins. (laughs) So we have a guest this week. Oh, thank goodness. Let's let's get away from this shit story. (laughs) Talk about some shit that matters. Okay, so we're on with Danelle Lynn. Danelle is also one of my close personal friends from Overland oh, here Expo. We go again. Did I tell you that I, I went to Overland Expo, Todd? Yes, and you met lots of people. And lots very of fancy. very close personal friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Danelle here is a um, adventurer, author, designer, humanitarian, genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. Neil's got it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, six of one, half dozen the other, right? She also flies a giant robot suit. 
Oh, neat. Okay. That would be pretty awesome. We don't have near enough of that on the show these days. I know. I'm really, really not hitting that demographic the right way. So, Danelle, welcome to the show. Now, um, first and foremost, um, what are you working on right now? Um, what am I working on right now? The beginning, I'm 31 days out from a big trip. I'm going to go for a year on the road on my motorcycle to all 50 states in Canada. I'm also working on the Young Readers edition of my book, Philanthropic Wanderlust, that I'll be donating to classrooms as I go. I'm hoping to hit one classroom each state and providing classroom sets for those books. Oh, cool. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There's just so much you do. It's like, where to, where to begin? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was actually just emailing my mom my week this week. Look at this week. Do you sleep? <laughs> I do. I do. But I have battled insomnia since high school, so... I don't sleep as well as most people, I guess. Also, Iron Man doesn't sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just more and more convinced that's who we're talking to. Mm, could be. Could be. So so talk to me about the Young Readers edition of the book. Now, you can kind of get a sense for what you're doing. Now, what are you hoping to accomplish with the Young Readers edition? Right. What I'm hoping with that is to help inspire an entire new generation of humanitarians and for them to realize that you can do a lot for other people even if you don't have a lot. Because I started those companies about eight years ago, and I was close to poverty line at the time when I started my humanitarian companies. So there's a lot that you can give back, even if you don't have a lot. And now, are, are you targeting particular schools with this, or is it just sort of picking them at random? What, what, how do you choose the school that gets them? When I first started out, I thought to myself, I want to just target the low-income schools. You know, those that don't have the books coming to the classrooms, the schools that don't have the funding to buy it. And then I kind of took a step back when I had a school out in California contact me, and it it made me rethink my mission with the book because of all levels of schooling and students. You never know which ones don't inspire that may grow up and change the world. So I I took a step back from having a very direct school demographic, and the way that I'm finding them is also by word of mouth. So I've been in education in Arizona for over eight years, and I have my master's in special ed. So that loop in Arizona is a pretty good network for me. But for other states, I've had other people contact me to say, hey, here's the school, or my daughter goes to this school, would you be interested? And then we do an email back and forth with the principal because we want to make sure that the school will allow the book so that it doesn't just sit on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're the motorcycle people, and your motorcycle gives you kids ideas about doing a two wheels. And whatever. <laughs> <laughs> going back to the whole idea of starting out, what was the, the genesis for this idea in the first place? For the trip? Yeah, I mean, it's not like you weren't doing anything else. Yeah, it's really funny because I tend not to ever be bored, but I always say I, I don't want to be bored. I'm too nervous to be bored, but I'm never really bored. I'm always doing something. And there's no deep mission behind it. Um, I'm going on the trip because I had an idea that I wanted to go on a motorcycle trip for a year to all 50 states in Canada, and so I just decided to do it. So how are you going to get to those? I mean, first thing I hear of when I or think of when I hear 50 states is there's two, two states, they're kind of tough, not many people get to them. Well, it's really not that tough. Tight. There's a road and everything. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Kansas and Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're tough. Yeah, tornado country. They are difficult. So Hawaii, how, what's the the plan for Hawaii? So I'd have to ship my bike out there. Okay. Have you already done like groundwork for that or is you're just like, I'm going to pull into LA one day and see who's got space on a ship? <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, no, I don't have a ton of stuff planned in terms like that. I, I have a cousin in Hawaii. My parents used to live there, so I'm pretty set once I arrive. Mm-hmm. But but getting over there, it's just going to kind of depend on when I hit Hawaii based on weather. 
Mm-hmm. And my trip kind of changed a little bit from when I first set it up because I'm, I'm also attempting to break a Guinness World Record for the longest motorcycle journey in single country. And they will only count the lower 48 states because I can't pass into Canada to get to Alaska and I can't fly to Hawaii. So those two states are going to be at the end. Okay. Uh, after I hit the lower 48. It doesn't even count if you like take the ferry to Alaska. No, I guess because it docks in Canada, doesn't it? Right. But if I leave, if I leave the mainland at all, because I even, that's really funny. I asked that question too. <laughs> I asked, what if I take really small boats? Does that count? So, no. What, what if you like hit a jump though? Well, you're still leaving the ground. Well, yeah, then she's not in the lower 48. She's up in the air. Well, I am taking the Bonneville, so I don't think I could really get enough height to go. So talk to us about your Bonneville. What what year is it? It's a 2006. Okay, what made you pick a Bonneville? I've always really had a tendency to go towards Triumph. And I, when I was first deciding of what I wanted, if I wanted a Scrambler or a Bonneville, it just kind of fell into place. This bike just showed up at the right time, and I had the cash on hand to purchase it, and it just all fit, and when I think about the bike to take, and I think about James Dean, and you know the, the coolness of the Triumph, it never fades. And honestly, it's just a very appealing, sexy bike to me. So I looked at it and had to have it for my trip. Sweet. Okay. So, what were you riding before the Bonneville? Have you been riding uh, long or? Yeah, I had a '82 Virago. So that's mm-hmm. the bike I actually learned my wrenching on with my dad. And Oh, nice. Yeah, we shared an 81 Yamaha uh, TW, so a little dirt bike. So will anyone be going with you on this trip, or are you going to be solo? It's going to be a solo trip, but as any good motorcycle journey is, you always end up meeting other riders on the road and hooking up in different places. So, like, I'll be at Horizons Unlimited and giving a talk there with a bunch of riders. I'm sure some of us will ride out together. So up in Washington, my brother has a ride planned for a big firefighters group. He's a firefighter up there. So I'll be solo. Yeah. I'll be solo for a lot of the time, but not all of the time. And as a writer, though, that the solo part is an important aspect of the trip for me because I do want that time. I'm doing a lot of camping. And so I want to make sure I have that time to camp and write and just be in the wilderness and and have my alone time. Mm -hmm. But I also want to be a part of that community as a whole. Is camping going to be like the majority of of how you stay on the road on the trip? Are you going to try to find like seedy hotels or... Experience the local color up close. Yes. The local color, yes. Yeah, I'm gonna try to find the worst parts of the U.S. and just hang out. Here, let me give no, you my address. No, not at all. I, I'm actually, I'm going on a with a lone rider tent. It's a tent built by motorcyclists out of France, and it has a garage for your motorcycle to park underneath and just into the right. Tent yeah, it's there. pretty fancy. So I'm camping most of the time. That is a pretty snazzy tent. I, I've seen pictures of it. Yeah, I've loved it. I've got to test it out just a few times, so I'm excited for it to be home away from home. So uh, is the real reason then behind this trip to just kind of get away from being a designer, humanitarian, author, philanthropist, playboy, genius, billionaire? (laughs) You know, it's not at all. Everyone says, oh, so all that's going to stop. Business speaking, that's that's part of why it's a September to September trip as well, because it's not at the end of the tax year. (laughs) So those businesses can still continue. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, business still continues. Business never but the, sleeps. the riding side, and then I have the motorcycle magazine, Two World Wanderlust, as well. And so for mm-hmm. that, I'm running that from the road. Mm-hmm. So I'll be an editor at large on the road with that and writing the books and doing the blog and the website. All of that can be done from anywhere, which is kind of the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. And even the design studio stuff, I'm an itinerant designer, so I only build 13 custom gowns a year. And I say build because I consider them pieces of art. And I travel to my clients. So I have clients in New York or Beverly Hills or L.A., and I go to them. So So you're going to be spending a lot of time at the UPS office, it sounds like. (laughs) Well, 
I won't be making the dresses on the road. So. <laughs> Hang on, it's sort of wrinkled. My, my luggage is very small. <laughs> it's just a bottle. Yeah, yeah. No, but if, if, you know, Angelina Jolie decides to give me a call to make her a fabulous gown to ride her motorcycle to the Oscars on, you know, I will I will definitely make that pause in my trip to create Hopefully that. you're on the, the western side of the U.S. when that call comes, because that, that could be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> wait, wait, hang on. I'm in yeah. Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> it still counts for the record book if it gets on a plane, right? I don't think the dress no, counts for the record book. I With, know. Within borders? Huh? Could you just hook the, the bike up to the plane and just get dragged on the <laughs> the 40 or something? A big bungee. Just shoot me across. That would be so cool. <laughs> so, so what's the part of the trip you're looking forward to most? What are you most excited to see? All of it, really. I'm, I'm really excited... I've been to all fifty states as a kid. I grew up in a, in a family that traveled a lot, and we did national parks. And so I, I turned thirty three yesterday. And so for me to go back and see all the stuff that I saw as a kid, that's super exciting to me because it'll have a whole new element. And not only just seeing it as a kid, but also I was in four doors in a car, and so mm-hmm. everything will look mm-hmm. fresh and new. So I think that's the most exciting thing. A little bit bummed by all the West Coast fires because that's what I'm riding through first. But mm-hmm. what can you do? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna warn you. Speaking as a thirty-something, going back and seeing stuff I saw as a kid, a lot of it's a lot smaller than you'll remember. <laughs> I bet you're no, right. In your case, Todd, a lot smaller. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everything did look pretty big when I was little. Oh my god, that's huge! How much yeah. route planning have you done? <laughs> How much what? Route planning. I mean, have you have you do you have like a giant? map of the U.S. kind of on your wall and you're like mapping up, pin, putting pins on the wall for roads or are you just kind of going to see where it takes you each morning? Yeah, yes and no. I have a giant map. Actually, I have two different ones in two different rooms. I have one in my house and one downstairs in my garage. Um, and then I have a pocket map in my calendar that I take to work with me. But I'm taking a Ram McNally map with me on the road. I, I mm-hmm. chose not to do GPS. I really like the old school maps. I love highlighting my route and, and planning it and sitting and taking your picnic lunch break with your map in hand. So some of it is planned. The first part is very planned because I'm leaving Phoenix on the 19th of September, mm-hmm. straight down mm-hmm. to Tucson. I'm doing a young reader's reading in a classroom there and donating books and then going out of Tucson on the 20th into California, stopping at Rancho Cucamonga and then LA and then up for Horizons Unlimited. So I have to be at that event by the 24th because I'm speaking there. Right. So that is very planned. Past that, not too planned, but I am trying to stay off all major interstates and just do back roads and scenic routes. Mm-hmm. Just, just be careful of the wineries in California and Oregon. That can get real expensive and slow really fast. <laughs> yeah, I don't really foresee myself doing a ton of wine tastings on the bike. Oh, no, no, it's the the wine buying that's the problem. (laughs) Todd has a list of things he would like for you to purchase And the wine camping. (laughs) And the wine waking up the next morning and thinking, I'm too sick to ride and call wine some more. Well, I actually, I don't have really long days planned, which is the nice part about it. Are you going to be doing a seven days a week kind of thing? Are you going to, do you have rest days kind of planned in mind or? full-on rest days planned in mind. A lot of that is just see to your pants. I do have family and friends I'm seeing along the way. So those will be places I stay where I won't be camping. Uh, we prefaced that when I showed up for, hey, I'm going to be stinky and not have a shower in probably a week. So 
just know that's the first place I'm going before story time. Have some towels ready. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure the hot water heater's working. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How about food? Are you going to be cooking or, or eating on the road? I'm going to be doing a lot of cooking. I am a vegetarian, and so I have a full... And I'm a hungry vegetarian. I grew up with a mother who cooks very well, and so I always had really good food and ate all the time. And people always think, oh, you're a vegetarian, you just eat salad. That's not the case at all. I eat all the time. But I love to cook the food, and I love to create it, and camping food, and trying to make something that gives you enough of the protein and the fuel you need while you're camping without it having to be in the pre-processed bags full of salt, which, you know, sometimes is fine, too, especially if I'm dehydrated. But I do have a full-on kitchen that I've created just from different stuff that I bought going into REI. What kind of prep are you doing? Like, are you – let me see. How, how do I put this? Like, are you, are you doing day rides? Are you doing weekend rides? Are you going camping for, like, a, a few days and just living in, off your tent? Right. Well, are, what, what kind of practice are you doing? A lot of the tent practice already happened, so I'm not doing any of that anymore. Uh, I finished that mm-hmm. off actually at the end of Overland Expo in May. I wanted to get a few more mm-hmm. camping trips in before that, and it just didn't happen. And in Phoenix, it's crazy hot right now, so to go anywhere, you have to ride mm-hmm. at five in the morning and go at least four hours away to be able to camp. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that side isn't going too much more. Um, kitchen stuff and inside the house stuff, like the cot and all of that, is being tested. I've tested that quite often, and the cot will be my bed my last few days here in my loft. So that'll get mm-hmm. a little a little more broken in before I hit the road. And then prep-wise for the bike, not too much. I mean, I, I do long trips whenever I kind of get the bug under my butt to go, and then day trips I take often. So I, I don't really see it as something I needed to prep for in terms of saddle time with mm-hmm. that. What you, what you got to do is put some gas in the tank and and make sure there's some air in the tires right. and oh an oil you need oil in yeah, it yeah a little bit of that might help very important but part part of the whole trip is you as well so with that being said I have prepped I had a personal trainer that I've been working with as well as packing in some other stuff into my diet to make sure that my core for sitting on the saddle for that long is as strong as it can be so I can ride the bike how it's properly supposed to be ridden. So I think that's an important part of prep that a lot of times people forget. I've been working on that for a good five and a half months. Oh, well, that's interesting. What, what kind of workouts are you doing? Uh, it's, it's a whole crazy thing. Hey, I'm curious. Shut up. <laughs> she's a really good she's a really good trainer. She's her company is called Thank Pilates and she's certified in yoga, Pilates. She has this class called Clash and it's just a whole mix of so yesterday we did a kickboxing and a 100-ab routine, a 15-minute ab routine, and a jog and a sprint and weights. And so it's a whole mixture. There's not really just one word for it. And that's, I think, the most beneficial is because it does change up. And then on days when I'm not with her, if I get bored or something, I have a brother who's a personal trainer. If something doesn't feel right or I feel like something needs to be stronger, I ask him for some moves that I should be doing. Can you talk to us a little bit about your magazine? Two-Wheeled Wanderlust is an adventure motorcycle magazine, and it is a subscription-only magazine. We are now in over 25% of the United States, Canada, Australia, Italy, and the UK. And Yeah, and it started about two and a half years ago, so we're about to release the fourth issue coming out 
it will come out at Horizons Unlimited, and then the mailers will go out in October, so I'm finishing up that issue before I go. The inside of the magazine is filled with stories of different riders out there, either in an adventure or their stories of their recollection of a past adventure they had. The, this next issue coming out, we even have um, a captain of a firefighting squad here at Mesa that he did. He's a big rider as well, and so he did this Ziploc um, first aid kit. So you did the Ziploc first aid kit article with pictures and everything to make your own first aid for hitting the trip, which is really cool because that's something that I built with my brother, who's a firefighter, for my own trip coming out. We sat and did the medical kit together and decided what I needed and what I didn't. So I'm, I'm hoping that that type of article will really resonate with people. We also have different cooking stuff in there, Chris's Kitchen. Uh, Jim writes articles for us every year. He's out of Tucson. And, and then we always have a feature. So this, this next issue's feature is an article about South Africa, Dom Giles riding through South Africa. And last issue was Cambodia, um, before that, South America. So there's always a whole range. I try to make sure there's a variety of different parts of the world hit in every magazine. Oh, that's pretty cool. And you're going to be uh, editing this from, from the bike on the road. Yes. So lots of, lots of hilarious autocorrect mistakes then in the next issue. I feel I feel vaguely unaccomplished. <laughs> I think it's more than vague, Chuck. <laughs> I'm just gonna be over here scratching my belly. <laughs> so so what do you when you get to the I'm still fascinated by the classroom thing with the kids. If I can go back to that. When you get to the classroom and you're in there with the kids, what are you gonna talk with them about? I'm gonna do I'm gonna start off with a reading from the book, so I'll pick different chapters of different parts that are exciting or maybe pique the interest depending on the grade level that I'm in. And with it being a young readers edition, it's open to anything from fourth grade and above. Uh especially considering most people read at around the sixth grade level, so it works wherever you're at really, even though it's young readers that can work in a ninth grade classroom. But most of what I'm booking is elementary schools right now. And so what I'll go in is I'll talk to them about helping others and why it's important. And, and the Huffington Post actually just had a really good article. I'm kind of rambling here, I guess. They all have to edit this. But they had a really good article about... No, it's cool. Go ahead. Go for it. We, we, they don't want to hear us. They want to hear you. <laughs> about how 40% of Americans don't even want to travel. Only 20% have passports. And I'm somebody who grew up traveling and moving back to the States. I, I did middle school and elementary school. Or no, middle school and the beginning of high school in England. And then moved back to the States finish out my high school years, and I never realized people didn't travel the way that I grew up in America. And then I continued to do that as an adult, and most people that I meet out there don't believe that I'm an American because I travel so much. And it baffled me. I thought, really? Do we not get out there? Do we not go do this? And and so much of, I think, our fear that we're that we put ourselves in this plastic bubble is because we don't go outside our borders. There's so much out there, so much culture, so much that isn't as bad as what is shown on the news that I think we're missing, and I, I hope to inspire kids to not only help those in their backyard, because there is a lot of kids who need support in the U.S., there's a lot of families as well, helping to show them that, that travel can be fun and adventurous and safe, and while you're doing all of that, you can also be expanding the lives of others that, in turn, expands your life. It's kind of cool that you're you're beginning with, like, a trip of, of America first, because I think... Like you were saying, a lot of people kind of have a fear of travel, have a fear of leaving the borders of even their own state. I mean, right. you're not going to catch me dead in Texas. Just saying. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I live in Arizona right now, and I live in Phoenix. I'm so sorry. Yeah, right? It's hotter than Hades right now. 
But people who have lived here their whole life have never been to the Grand Canyon, and that baffles three hours away. Wow. How do you... The, don't you just run into you it by to, like, accident? Not to drive there, wouldn't you? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you don't go there, honestly. I, I, but I'm somebody who, on a weekend when I want to get out of the city, I pack my car or my bike and I just go. You know, and maybe I end up in California mm-hmm. or Mexico. It doesn't really matter. But yeah. Do you see yourself following up the U.S. trip with uh, a Mexico trip or you know a South America trip? Yeah, it's really funny that you say that because part of the idea. And it, it all depends, um, fiscally speaking. I mean, there's got to be a budget for stuff to continue. So as sure. I complete that trip, I'll know where I stand if I need to take a break and do some work or go straight into, I would love to go straight into South America and then depending on where that is, just continue. I mean, this is something that I could still be doing and we could have a podcast in 10 years from now maybe and talk about where I'm at then and that would be awesome. I don't know if I could stand Todd for the next 10 years. <laughs> that, that's a pretty tall order. God, it's kind of hard to look 10 years ahead. It's been 10 years on the road, and I haven't showered in three. Oh, that's great. I'm really glad this is on radio. <laughs> then I would definitely only have a voice for radio if I didn't shower for three years. But by that, by that point, I'll be on, like, fake Todd number 12. <laughs> <laughs> fake Todd, what do you think of that? I'm off. So now, do you already have a school lined up in every single state? Because I know quite a few of our listeners are parents. Um, right, I do not. Parents who are interested in getting at their school, yeah. should they contact I you? I would love that. Do you have one in Utah? Sorry, go ahead. Do you have a school lined up in Utah? I do not. Get on the horn, check. Yeah, my daughter starts first grade tomorrow. Nice. It's on. It's so on. <laughs> well, and I, and I also have a new coloring book out. It's a cultural mm-hmm. coloring book based around the humanitarian work that I've done with orphans and families in need. And so that's something that for every coloring book that sells, puts one more coloring book back into the art kits I take to the kids. And for a first grade level, this, the philanthropic wanderlust book will, will be too high, but the coloring book could be something that I could definitely donate to her classroom. That'd be awesome. Oh my gosh. Sweet. Just, just promise not to tell her how lame I am. Oh no. <laughs> don't, don't say anything about, you know, me. So, so how should they contact you via your website then? Yes, if you go to Danellwynn, dot com, there is a contact page, but there's also a classroom page. You can go and read more about it and see what's needed to contact me about having those in, in your schools. Uh, or just shoot an email and say, hey, I'm in Utah, and this is the grade, and I heard you on the radio and would love to have those books at our school. So, yeah, I definitely am looking for that outreach. I don't have all 50 states set up. And the really cool thing about it is as it grows, I mean, my goal personally is to try to donate enough for one classroom in each state. Now, if somebody hears this and goes, hey, I want to sponsor this school in this state, that's just one more state that we can put those books into. Oh, okay. Wait, cool. So you're you yeah. you open to visiting multiple schools in the state, not just one. Yes. All right, cool. How long do you plan to spend in every state? Do you have a rough idea? Very rough idea, just based on how many weeks are in the year. But when I first started looking at my route and just looking into the West Coast and all of the national parks, I got myself a little overwhelmed because I thought, oh, I could spend three weeks in the state. I just see everything. <laughs> oh, no. And then I looked at the calendar and I'm like, it's not possible. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's loosely done, but I don't have exact days because I don't want to limit myself too much. And as it grows, like I have some press that's lining up or different speaking events or different schools, there will be dates that, that make me have to be somewhere at a certain time. 
Mm-hmm. So I like that that flexibility is there. When that occurs, then I can say, okay, yeah, I can make it by that date. Because I have that flexibility in my schedule. I don't have to say, oh, no, on day 233, I have to be in this town in this state just because I planned it that way. Okay. Now, you talked about going to Horizons Unlimited, and, and that's one of your sticky dates. Yeah. Um, are you planning to hit, like, Overland Expos as well? You know, Are you going to roll into Sturgis and be like, hey, look at me. You guys suck because you trailer your bikes. <laughs> Bad. I don't think <laughs> I would say true. that Sturgis. Otherwise, it'd probably be my last video blog that says this was when I said this and got my ass done. <laughs> but no, I do plan no. on hitting stuff like the Horizons Unlimited um, is a really cool, I'm not sure if all of your listeners know about it, but it's all over the world, actually. It was started by a couple oh, yeah. that did a round-the-world trip, Susan and Grant Johnson. Mm-hmm. They they have these little pockets all over where you can talk and learn about it. And so for those, I'm hoping to hit a couple different ones as I go. And those are very structured dates. And so sometimes they don't line up. Like there was one I was invited to in Canada that's happening, but it's happening the week I take off for my trip here in Arizona or the week after. It just didn't line up for me to possibly be there. So sometimes it doesn't work, but I am going to try to hit those. And then Overland Expo just opened a new East Coast Expo, but it's just opening right before I go, so I won't hit that side either. But I may right. hit the May Expo in Arizona if I'm coming back through here at that time. Okay, cool. Um, are you – I might be off the mark here, but are you entirely self-employed? Not entirely, no. Okay. So talk to us about, you know, like one thing everyone has when they're thinking about taking a long trip, even for a month, mm-hmm. is, you know, what about – my life in the world. I right. mean, it sounds like you're, you're going to be trying to do a lot of that with you on the road, but I mean, how much of that kind of weighed on you in the back of your mind? You know, I've got to do this. I got to do this. I, I work for someone else. How understanding are they? Right. Know? Yeah. The job that I do for someone else, it will end. That will be a career okay. break. I won't be taking that with me on the road. Okay, uh, you're just like giving them the finger and <laughs> wheeling <laughs> off, <laughs> setting the no. building on fire. Oh, right, no wheelies. It's a Bonneville. No, we're leaving on really good terms. They think it's Dropping really the cool. mic. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was like I gave notice at my apartment complex, and he was like, oh, why? You've been such a good tenant. What's wrong? And I was like, I'm leaving on this trip. And he just drops his notebook, and he's like, that's the coolest reason I've ever heard for someone giving notice. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Weird. But no, I think that something for me. I know that I've had really good friends who take trips like this as well, and they'll sometimes just go, I'm going to sell everything and go. For me, I took two years. I, I saved. I bought my bike outright. I bought all the, the parts I needed, the different stuff to go with it. And then I also had a reintegration fund, so I saved a little bit for money to come back to. Mm, okay. so I needed to have that cushion, and, and that's a personal balance for everybody. For me, I knew that I needed it, so I didn't have to think and worry about money on the road. Good idea. Yeah. Build up your, your finances I before. will get home, and I will be okay briefly while I get my crap back together. Right. Right, right. And I think the other thing is is not just, not just from the resume of all the stuff I do on my own as well, but... Ironically, I have like three different resumes and I've, I've built them in a way that I don't really worry about not being employable when I come back. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping to build the life that I'm my own employer for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But if that doesn't happen, I don't worry about not being able to find a job. Nice, nice. Which resume do you have the Iron Man suit on? Uh, I think that one would go probably on my art and design resume as well as maybe my humanitarian work because it kind of blends for both. Hmm. 
Nice. Super heroics and fancy suits will do that. It is fire engine red. Mm-hmm. See, and that's perfect. My colors are black and red, so it works very well. Because anytime I wear one of my own gowns, it's black and red. So Your bike's all black, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because I, I yeah. remember seeing it. Because at Overland Expo, where we're close personal friends, and right. did I tell you about I went to Overland Expo talk? Yeah, yeah, I, I got that. Yeah, and, and we had high tea and, and biscuits. It was, it was lovely. It was very cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love I love black on black. It's something I've always I don't know. It's very New York of me. People always say, but I'm not from New York. I never lived there. I love to visit there, but I just I wear a lot of black. I like black. I think it's an elegant color. My my gear, um, I have full-on gear from Revit, and so it's a black on black as well. The only thing that's not is my rain gear. That's bright yellow because if I'm in a mm-hmm. big storm, my bike is black, my bags are black, my gear is black, my helmet's black. You're so, invisible. Yeah. So it has kind of a black and gray theme. There's gray highlights. All of my all of my bags are by Giant Loop, and so those are all black and gray. So it all folds seamlessly all now, together. Now, are these companies, are they sponsoring you? Yes. Yeah, my bags are sponsored. All of my luggage is sponsored by Giant Loop. Revit sponsored my uh, pants, jacket, full-on accessory kit for cooling yourself, like a mm-hmm. vest and winter-summer gloves, winter-summer socks. Um, I already had the helmet and boots, so those I just had. And then my Lone Rider tent, I'm actually the only rider that they're sponsoring mm-hmm. here. Wow. So you got the one yeah. tent. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's more out there. <laughs> oh, one <laughs> tent. Just the one. Sorry, folks. Anyone else you want to plug or talk about? or? <laughs> well, you know, they're sponsors. They want to, you know, do you want to talk about them? This is part of getting that sponsorship. They definitely do. I tried to, like, sneak them in there. But he's like, no, hey, please, please. Parade them out. I don't, I, you know. I we we welcome that here. Those are those are the three. I'm really selective mm-hmm. with it. So I I've actually had really a good experience with sponsors. I emailed or talked to them. Like Harold of Giant Loop, I talked to him in person. Uh, our big joke is when I first approached him, he was like, "Well, everyone only wants our friend Bango take bag, so only if we can outfit the whole bike." And I was like, "Okay, sure." Oh, darn, if you <laughs> insist. You know that's so horrible. I really wanted a cheap bag. Wow. Well, and Revit it just lined up. They were looking for female women riders, mm-hmm. and they had a new line. So the Stan Ladies gear is what I'm decked out in. And and um, Frederick, or Frederick, he's French, out in Lone Rider. He's going on a big three-year tour as their business still continues. And when I just emailed him about the idea of my trip, he was like, yeah, we'll ship it to you. Oh, nice. So it's been a really, yeah, it's been really easygoing. Um, I am a talk for possible journey sponsorship, but... That hasn't been confirmed, so I can't. Oh, that reminds me. Speaking of, can you talk to us about um, what kind of partnership or arrangement you have with the uh, Ted Simon Jupiter uh, Foundation? Oh, yes. Yeah, the Jupiter's Travelers Foundation. See, I remembered that. I'm I'm a real interviewer. I Good job, Ted. did research. Here's a fish. Yay! <laughs> High five through the phone. Uh, Jupiter's Travelers is a foundation that if you know uh, Ted Simon, you probably know of this foundation. It's Ted Simon Foundation. They started the Jupiter's Travelers. And what it is is it's not it's not a full-on partnership. You kind of apply to be a part of it, and then it's a support network is really what it is. Some people think it's a fiscal sponsorship. It's not. It's somewhere for you to reach out and go, hey, this is my crazy idea. What do you guys think? It's a good place to bounce ideas off of each other. It's a good place to talk about the cultural changes or the cultural elements of your trip that you're wanting to do around the world, you have that support network in them. Um, and part of 
that foundation is based around the epic journey that Ted Simon took back in the seventies where he wrote it. He wrote a triumph all the way around the world and did mm-hmm. these amazing books and inspired multiple to go out and do it. Are there any other people that you found kind of inspirational for this kind of trip? Yeah, I think inspiration kind of falls in a funny category. When I first started to think about doing something like this, I thought about rebuilding a bus because that's just where I was at at that time four years ago. And I thought, of a, a Volkswagen no, bus? like a full-on old GMT bus. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you take the back seats out and you paint a turtle playing the banjo with a rainbow on the <laughs> no, side of it. No, and... it was going to still look like my house, you Asian jeans. And I just wanted, I'm very much nomadic by nature, I think. And so being stationary and in a place and in a house for too long is very difficult for me. Uh, I'm not sure if that comes from growing up military and move every two and a half years. Both of my older brothers are very settled and enjoy it very much, and I am not. And so <laughs> when I looked at that, and I started looking into those areas, and then from there, with Internet research, I mean, the Internet is amazing. It has opened our world like never before. It's just crazy. And then, then you can reach into these other pockets, and I actually came across Lois Price before I came across any of these other elements, and I found her book, and I read it. And at the same time, I came across the Achievable Dream DVDs by, from Horizons Unlimited. And that was before I even knew of those networks or mm-hmm. attended the events. And so those kind of kicked it off for me. And I ordered those and had them on the back burner. And then I pretty much just got on Amazon and ordered all the books I could find on motorcycling around the world and crazy trips. But I've always been a really big nonfiction reader. So inspiration can come from years past for me. It's not really the person who did it yeah cool. okay so it's just all, all yeah around. all right yeah i guess the final Jeez. i guess i should say the final push was um about three years ago wow three years ago already i went on a trip to argentina and chile i went on a two-up motorcycle trip with a friend of mine who had just finished a trip with his mate they were both from australia from alaska all the way down to ushuaia and so i picked up on the end and we kind of went back up north for a couple weeks and during that time, I mean, we sat and we talked about the book I wanted to write and the things I wanted to do. And then, I don't know if it's just his nature or Ozzy nature, he just flat out said, then do it. And I was like, oh, you're right. So he kind of really kicked me into gear, I guess. That could be the inspiration of the elements of when I was flying home. I was looking out the window in that plane, and I was like, you know what? I need a big trip like that. And that's what really started me going, I'm going to do this trip. And I didn't know at that time that I was going to do all 50 states in Canada. I was thinking more South America, I'll do this, <laughs> or I'll do Europe, or, you know, I didn't really have an exact plan, and I didn't really have a year plan. I was thinking, no, I'll just save up and, and go for a month here or there. But I, I've been really ready to do do a big drastic trip. Um, like I said before, I, I traveled a lot. I've been to, like, 43 countries, none of them for extended periods of time, though. They've always just been during time off or a few weeks here or a month there. Mm-hmm. And I needed vacation. Yeah, more of a vacation. And um, mm-hmm. so I needed to have a big trip. It, it just was time. And flying home, I, I knew that. And when I turned 31, I actually wrote a private letter to my family, to my parents and my brothers. And I said, when I turn 33, I'm going to hit the road. I just want to let you guys know. Here's what I'm thinking of doing. Um... I don't need Christmas gifts or birthday gifts for the next few years because I'm, I'm trying to downsize everything. And I think for the first year, they thought I was kidding. Wow. And then the second year when stuff started lining up and getting more serious and 
they were they realized that I was going. Cool. Well, Danelle Lynn, uh, the multi-talented designer, humanitarian, author, genius, playboy, inventor. Billionaire. Billionaire. Philanthropist. Inventor. Philanthropist. Okay. Make sure you get all that. Mr. Spot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, you said you're 31 days out from today. From today. Right? So, so I am 22 days out from departure. Okay. Cool. And uh, so if uh, you want to have Danelle come to an elementary school in your area, contact her via her website. We will have the links on our show notes, like always. And, you know, there's there's so much stuff to check out with Danelle that we didn't even get a chance to talk about here. Just, yeah, go look. Because <laughs> there's really, this girl does not sleep. I'm convinced she's on meth. <laughs> possibly, possibly. Oh, wait, she's still on the phone. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Danelle, thanks so much for being on with us tonight. Yeah, I had a great time. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that was some pretty good shit. <laughs> you just had to come back to the shit. <laughs> I had a nice interview and a nice guest and talking about cool stuff, and we're back to the shit. No shit. No shit. <laughs> Same shit, different <laughs> No, this is all new shit. <laughs> uh, we've got one listener letter this week. but and it's, it's a, a doozy. It's a long one. So, uh, frequent contributor, uh, Demetrius Poon. Uh, who is not Roland. Right. <laughs> Guys, fake Todd's comments from a few weeks back bothered me. Jen. She, she sounds like a really cool person who maybe wants to prove something by riding such a monster of a motorcycle. I don't mean this in a rude or condescending way, despite the fact that I am Roland, but her talking about that bike makes me uneasy. If I can please just say this, the bike is too big for you, and for most people. It is a novelty bike, much like the clown bike with four-inch wide wheels. Cute, fun to look at, a nightmare to own. The size of the bike demands someone who has a skill set to match. Looking, Locking up the front brake at low speed is something you should know about long before you buy a 1,000-pound motorcycle. Can you master riding with this bike? I don't think so. Its size is intimidating. When a person is that nervous to ride, learning stops and survival instincts kick in. Could you work your way up to it? Sure. The thing is, by the time you have the needed skills, you realize this is still a novelty bike and you won't want anything to do with it. In two years, you'll have 500 miles instead of 10,000 like you do on a bike you could deal with. In most aspects of life, there's no shortcutting the system. You have to start small and work your way up. You'll lose money, I promise, but it'll be the best money you ever spent on motorcycling when you trade that bike toward a Bonneville, a Speed Triple, or a 675. A Speed Triple might not be such a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> For everyone else, don't overbuy. You sell that bike and buy this 1,000cc monster. <laughs> the bike that Todd we were gets with off, you rolling, like but you, you have just, you you, roll in, you just, that just went failed horribly. <laughs> He does make one point that I really like, though. No one actually cares what size your motorcycle is, and bigger is not always better. Riding is cool, and tipping over will always make you look like a douchebag. Oh, and if you don't listen, I know you won't. Drag the goddamn rear brake to stabilize yourself at slow speed. Now, we haven't... I haven't heard your opinion about this, about Jen buying I, I know bike. both of you are waiting to see the judgy gaze of Todd shift Oh, I'm, well, yeah, that's why she wants me to go buy the Ducati. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to see the eye of Sauron just swivel yeah. away. <laughs> the, big, the big funny light that follows it. Yeah. So, because uh, you didn't, I, I don't know if it's changed, but she, when I talked to her, you hadn't really even commented about her buying I, this but Mike, Since she it bought it. Cool. Um, no, honestly, I haven't. I, I, I stand by my earlier statement. I don't, I, I agree with Roland on a lot of levels. I don't think it was the smartest buy. That said, she's an adult and she's bought it. And I'm not going to say like, you suck and I hate you now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't agree with the choice, but it's her choice to make. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a nice looking bike. Um, it, is, it is a pretty I, bike. I am inclined to agree. It's kind of a novelty bike at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something big like that, if she turned it into a big, you know, tour, she was going long distances and the passenger or something like that, it might make a degree of sense at that point. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if it's like a perfect fit and really comfy and all that, you know, whatever. You know, you ride what fits you, right? Right. People tour around Ninja 250s. I stand by my earlier statements that it's not a very smart bike to start on. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. Bottom line. Yeah, she's already, she's dropped it in the garage. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and, you, know, you drop everything in the garage. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, like... I dropped a Beal in the garage last week. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens. Hell, I dropped a Earl in the garage. How? <laughs> it's me, man. That's a good point. <laughs> Did you install a ramp? <laughs> Don't you have one? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, yeah, she's an adult and can make her own choices about that. I mm-hmm. made my opinion clear and, you know, she was free to follow or not follow my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, like, disown her as a friend or not give her good advice about how to pilot the bike as a result mm-hmm. or not ride with her because I don't like her or something. I what just, kind of advice would, are you giving her or would you give her now that she's got it? Um, like, I would, what do you agree with is, you know, drag the brake? Well, for slow speed maneuvers on anything with a big engine, you have to do that. You drag the rear brake and you ride the clutch and rev the engine. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that on the strong. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I'm terrified of doing that. Really? Why? Ever since I burned the clutch out that one time, I am terrified to get yeah, on that, the clutch. Yeah, that, that only happens if you, if you're riding the clutch for like a really long time on say a dirt track. I know. Which is usually frequented only by deer and muskrats. I, I know, but, I'm, I still sort of have that, that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like when you stick your dick in the vacuum cleaner the first time and, you know, you get the bruising and the swelling, you have to go to the emergency room. I, I think we do. You're really reluctant that second, maybe that third time to, to I mean. <laughs> what? <laughs> and there you have it. Chuck's, <laughs> Chuck's treaties on bikes and vacuum cleaners. <laughs> but, uh. What, what other things, tips would you be giving her? What would you be saying? There? Uh, I'd say she needs to ride it a bunch and ride it in a more controlled space. Um, my suspicion is that the, you know, it, it's not going to forgive mistakes in braking and balance and things. It's going to spank you for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you got to develop those skills and you got to do it in a controlled space where making that mistake and getting spanked is not going to result in getting run over. Do you think she should bring it to the VRC? Or ERC, I guess, now that she's I think that would probably be a good idea. It sure couldn't hurt, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, I'd still want to see her get a little more under her belt with it. I don't know how many miles are on it now, but, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, A lot of the advice is the same as with any bike. It's just that, you know, with that bike, her ability to follow the advice is sharply curtailed. You know, that there's no give in a bike that large. So, mm, okay. That's, that's the biggest thing. And, you know, you gotta, people talk about respect the bike and stuff, but it, it's a. How do you respect a machine? It's a meaningless statement. The that's machine the doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, well, you know, there are things like, well, you don't use much of the throttle. It's like, that's cute that you think you can understand how much of use not much of the throttle is without, you know, experience mm. of how throttles go. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I, I would not have made that choice. I, you know, I'm not going to disown her because she made the choice. I'll still go ride with her. Will the, will the glare go away if I buy the Ducati? 
Well, you just well, you, you turn. No, it I to... have I have <clears throat> I have judgy glares enough for the world. <laughs> Try to understand what it's like for me being surrounded. On all sides. Oh, you know, I'm I'm dating someone who's really good at the judgy glare. Mm-hmm. Even when she's singing songs in her head about unicorns and rainbows, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she still has the judgy glare. Heavens, she could be asleep, and she's judgy glaring the the ceiling fan, even with a line of drool coming out of her mouth. Well, it's really hard to hold the judgy glare when you're drooling. She she can do it. Wow, <laughs> she's good at it. Wow. <laughs> So I, I'm I'm actually really looking forward to riding with Jen because uh, I know how excited she was about it. I want to ride that bike. I want to try it out. Yeah, I'm interested to try the bike too. I, I'm less excited about the bike because just the bike doesn't excite me particularly. Yeah, it's a new bike. Yeah, bike that's true. Bike I haven't ridden. I, I'm interested in it only in as much as the I want to ride everything once. Exactly that. That's about it. Though. Yeah, I have no interest in buying or owning such a thing. So yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy it. I'm a, I'm past cruisers. Mm-hmm. I had my cruiser fix. Done. Now you want to go Italian. Yeah, I want a nice hot little Italian number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the kind I was thinking of. <laughs> I, was thinking <laughs> I don't of know. I... Loud, scratchy voice kind of takes a big drag on her cigarette, and is like, "Let's go." After hearing you talk about it, I'm gonna have to go ride one. I'm gonna try. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna try it because if it's got the kind of viscerals you're talking about, that's that's how the bill speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, buying from a company that's in business, yeah, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, even if it's on the other side of the fucking ocean, still. Mm-hmm. So what have you learned this week, Chuck? I've learned 35 coats of clear coat isn't a good idea. What do you learn, Todd? I've learned that I can't wait to go to the beach with a big and golden chain and the tiny little Speedo. Jesus. And that's all we got time for this week. Till next time, I'm a Todd. And I'm Chuck. Ride safe, everyone. We'll see you next week. If you listen to us on iTunes, please write a review for us so that we can get some more exposure and hits. Thanks. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheel Nerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent.